This is Sage, and you're listening to the Higher Vision Podcast, a podcast designed for the modern mystic and visionary entrepreneur. I created this podcast because things are shifting on the planet, and I'm on a mission to see the artists and thought leaders in the limelight overflowing with purpose and prosperity, as together we pave the way to a new, more enlightened collective dream. since I've released a podcast episode and I'm really excited today to share this transmission with you. I brought on my personal PR specialist and employee of the Rosewater Temple to interview me about what I'm out here creating on this land in Hawaii. Um, you know, we, we, go, <laughs> we go to a lot of places in this episode and you know, at times there were surprising amounts of emotion and a lot came through. Um, so what started as a simple little interview with questions ends up being um, a living activation. And I hope that you enjoy this episode. I share a big piece of my heart and um, a, a lot about kind of surrendering to a calling when something is pulling me forward and how life is not always exactly what we want it to be um, in the way that, you know, we're here for our soul's evolution. So sometimes things pull us out of, what, of where we were going and bring us to something much more um, magical than we ever could have envisioned. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Be somewhere quiet <laughs> where you can soak it up. Um, it's It's a powerful one. And I'm so glad that you guys are all here building this new earth community together. Aloha, you guys, and welcome back to the Higher Vision Podcast. It has been a minute. I had guidance to kind of put my energies in other places, and I'm really excited to come back with a very special episode today. Um, as many of you guys may know, there's been a lot of tra transitions behind the scene for the Rosewater Temple and myself. My family has finally made the official relocation to the big island of Hawaii. We kind of were going back and forth for a very long time, tuning into the guidance, and we found ourselves here settled on this beautiful 10-acre uh, plot of organic farmland where we are growing something very special and on today's episode I'm going to share a little bit more about that. So today's guest I have with me here Megan Donnelly who is my personal PR specialist the Rosewater Temple's first employee. Um, <laughs> those words don't do her justice because she's a miracle worker and uh, Lumerian queen light warrior and soul sister and um, really was kind of crossed paths with me at a divine time, the way that the universe seems to bring in people that are meant to connect. And um, yeah, she's a really, really potent part of the behind the scenes for the Rosewater Temple. And I'm so excited to have her on the show today. So welcome, Megan. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you so much for that beautiful introduction. Yes. Yay. We've been talking about doing this episode for a couple of weeks now. We yes. in our in our meetings, um, lots of inspiration and light bulbs are going off, and 
yeah, um, you kind of give me gave me the invitation, which you do so often of these ideas and kind of um, sparked inspiration in me to share more about this story because, you know, I'm here just living on the land. It's it's become a normal part of my reality, and you help remind me a lot of the time that there's a lot of magic that I'm sharing with you that maybe other people would be interested in hearing about. So that's kind of why we felt called. Yes, most definitely. So how this catalyzed for me was I was doing other tasks for you completely unrelated to this. And um, I was always wondering, I was wondering how the land was and what you were doing there and how you ended up there because I just found little inklings of that story that I'd been finding in different areas of your content to just be incredibly inspiring. So it was a genuine curiosity that really led me to want to have this conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, part of what is unfolding here, I say this all the time, I think to you and to other people that are in my closer network, that it's not just for me, it's just being channeled through me. It really very much is something for the community, for the collective. I'm just here kind of um, listening to a template that's coming through my body. So the invitation to share more was kind of like a light bulb for me. Like, oh yeah, of course. Um, there's probably many people with more questions about like, what are you guys doing out there on that magic looking piece of earth? So yeah, I'm excited for this conversation. You're the perfect person to be a, a steward for the sacred land too. And I really see that as your role. So I think this conversation will really encapsulate that so we can share it with everyone. Thank you, Megan. <laughs> You're welcome. Yay. Okay, well, <clears throat> shall we dive in? Sure. Okay, so we can start off with uh, what inspired you to move to the sacred land? Oh, wow. So the the inspiration, I mean, the first time that I came to the islands of Hawaii was when I was pregnant with Tula, um, my firstborn daughter, about, she's almost six, so six and a half, almost seven years ago was the first time I visited, and I came to Kauai um, alone by myself, and it, well, with Tula, she was just in, in utero, and so I took this trip by myself, and um felt so connected to the land here in a way that I have never felt anywhere. I'm very much a, um, <laughs> you know, a starseed and a, a lone wolf in a lot of ways. And so, you know, people, if you're nodding your head like you, <laughs> you know, you get it, um, can not feel at home anywhere kind of thing. So I've, in, you know, I had this very gypsy-esque childhood with my single mother, like moving around the country. Uh, I, I found that created this like <clears throat> sense in me that I can feel at home anywhere but also nowhere and I came to Hawaii and I felt like grounded and at home in a way that I have never known like a soul home this kind of familiarity and I remember just crying when it was time to get back on the airplane um like my body knew that I would be back but that it would be a journey to get back here and it definitely was when it didn't just happen overnight so I'd say the inspiration was planted then there was this like um, kind of seed of, wow, that's where I'm supposed to be. And there were a lot of limiting beliefs um, and just, you know, initiations and soul work that I, that I did before I could actually arrive to this place kind of energetically and physically. Um, but to, to come here specifically, there was, there were visions of the land before, um, before it happened 
And <laughs> yeah, I'll leave it at that because that's what inspired me. It was just that knowing. It was like a, a tingling sensation of like everything in my body had that yes, yes, yes. Even though my mind was like, well, you don't know anyone out there. You know, the linear thinking process could have kept me staying where I was, but there was like a body knowing of like, that is where you're supposed to be. That's where you're, that's where you're meant to be. So you talk a lot about initiations in your work and you just mentioned it now. Um, can you describe what the, what initiations are for people that don't know? And um, if you don't mind sharing about your initiations before you came to this land? Yeah, absolutely. So an initiation is something that I would describe as a kind of like karmic lesson that your soul has asked to move through in order to expand you to be the person that can hold um, this new level of experience. So oftentimes, you know, especially in kind of patriarchal linear thinking, we can think, oh, this is what success looks like. I just want that. I want to be happy with the house and the picket fence. That's what happiness looks like. And really, there's a series of um, evolution that each of our souls came to experience, right? So we don't want that perfect like that nothing, the boat never gets rocked because that's not what creates expansion. Those kind of dark night of the souls, those hardships, those challenging moments where we're like crying on the floor, like ask surrender and deep surrender is what brings us to the kind of soul expansion that we asked for. And those of us who came to kind of um, anchor in higher consciousness and raise the frequency of the planet, if that's what we signed up for, we signed up for a big fucking mission and, and several initiations in a lot of those moments of why me, <laughs> which hopefully evolve not into why me, but more of a mentality of like, okay, I know exactly why me. I'm going through this to deepen my sense of compassion, my resilience, to grow my resilience, to grow my strength, all of those things. So I've walked through several of those just personally in my life. Many of us have. Um, I'd say that my biggest initiation into kind of priestesshood or, um, you know, being this, the steward of this particular earth would be um, through motherhood, through the pregnancy journey, through the birthing experience. Um, that's really kind of the time in my life where things started to pivot. And I really started to remember who I was and do that deep, deep, inner healing and um, yeah, come to relate to myself more as my spiritual infinite nature and less as my human egoic self with all the suffering. So I'd say those were my biggest initiations. Um, yeah, and it's interesting now talking to you to, to look at the correlation between coming to Hawaii when I was first pregnant and then walking through that, you know, the pregnancy, the birth, all of that experience that I would have to go through before I could actually, I think, attune to the frequencies of the sacred land. I wasn't ready. Yeah, this tool is so special. She sounds so special. <laughs> oh, she's so special. She's my greatest teacher. <laughs> Um, would you describe um, initiation as a facilitator of surrender oh absolutely I love that description yeah, yeah I think that that kind of describes how it works energetically like how you were explaining and that's kind of where my head was at yeah absolutely I don't think that before I had um before initiation or big initiation, there was a really a reason to um, surrender in the same way. There just wasn't a reason for that. 
Thank you for talking about that. Um, so how did the opportunity to connect with this land first materialize and how did you connect with it exactly? Yeah, okay, so, you know, I, there were many trips back and forth after that initial Kauai trip where um, we just decided to come back and visit. I think the first time we came back and visited was when my daughter Tula was two and we were like, let's just go to the big island. The big island has been calling us. It's a different island, but my heart wants to go back there. Let's go back with the whole family this time. And I, we actually came back to visit a girlfriend who had just had a baby. We wanted to come give her some postpartum love. And I booked the ticket to the wrong side of the island. She lived on the east side on Hilo. I, oops, accidentally booked into Kona. And um, we decided to roll with it because I actually saw this Airbnb that was so cute, kind of in similar aesthetic to the spaces I like to design. And we're like, that's our space, that's our sign, let's go for it. And we'll drive around and visit her and share time with her too. As soon as we touched down and we got here, I had that feeling again of like, oh my gosh, this is home. I was tingling. It was emotional. I felt, I sensed that something was here for us that hadn't, you know, it was already playing out on some timeline that I wasn't experiencing yet. It was this like, you know, the only way I can really relate to it is like how I missed my husband before I met him, that kind of energy. When you have that psychic awareness of like something is coming and I, I my heart misses it, but I'm not experiencing it here yet on this time. And it was like that. So we stayed in the area. We fell in love with the area. We toured this school that was like absolutely beautiful. This Waldorf charter school where the kids grow vegetables. Every, this area had all the things that we wanted in a place of, um, kind of the community and all of that. So, you know, planted the seed of this is where we should be. We went back, you know, several years later and then there was a trip that we planned a while after that, Hawaii still calling, still calling, still trying to make sense of how can we do this? There's no work for us there. How is this gonna happen? And right before the start of COVID, we came to visit again. So this must be the third time by now that we visited the islands and we got here and I felt so at home this time. And it was to the point where I was like, I cannot deny this feeling anymore. And I remember looking at my husband and saying like, I don't want to get back on that plane and just crying. And he actually got down on a knee that night in our hotel, which is funny because when we got engaged, like there was no getting down on the knee. It was like, we just decided, but he got down on one knee and looked at me and was like, will you move to Hawaii with me? Will you, will you stay here? And I started crying. It was like, yes. <laughs> like I remember that conversation more than our actual engagement because there was nothing that grand of a gesture there um but yeah so we just decided to not hop on the plane back and it was very much like um a it uh, that was what I would call an initiation it felt like a surrender spirit was guiding me to stay here and part of my particular journey has been in um moving through those surrenders where most people would say that's crazy you have two kids you can't just do that your husband has a job like you have that stability you have a mortgage to pay back home all of these kind of um, linear thinking conditioning that gets really rooted in us that can manifest as fear when spirit was saying to me very loud and clear like you belong here I'll take care of you and so that was one of the harder initiations to walk through because I had found myself before parenthood being kind of wild and free and trusting that and then becoming a mom and getting kind of sucked into the nine to five. Well, shit, now I have kids. I need to be responsible, right? Quote, unquote. And so we were, we were kind of um, in this, in the system a little bit of belief that we were stuck there because of a job, because of this, but the guidance was so strong and clear. It was like, you belong here. So 
we stayed. We just decided to stay on the island. And my husband went back, packed up our house, rented it out, came back here. We stayed with a girlfriend for a couple of months, knowing that something would present itself. And, you know, whenever you make decisions like that, it's like the doors swing open, like the universe has no choice, but like you're going over here. And so my work picked up dramatically. COVID hit. So everyone started working remotely, which was you know, devastating for a lot of people and for a lot of other people that, that share their medicine online. It actually boosted their um, businesses. And so for me, that the experience of this happening right before COVID was interesting. The, the land I created, um, it was just a message on Craigslist that said, this is what I want. I want to steward a piece of land here. This is where I want to live. This is, And then within three hours, I had a response from someone in the exact area that I had first um, felt chills say, hey, I don't live on the land, but I have this big piece of land. I need someone to steward it, to manage it. And so, um, yeah, it was kind of divinely orchestrated in that way. That's absolutely beautiful. So you talked a little bit about what kind of catalyzed after you made the surrender. Um, mm -hmm. But could you share a little bit more about uh, what um, was lying on the other side of your surrender? Any bits of magic that you experienced? The surrender, I won't lie, was, it had a lot of fear because what happens, I feel like when the body knows something and you have a deep yes to it, the mind will kick in right after and go, no, but that's crazy. This is all the reasons that it's not going to work. So there was definitely fear thresholds to walk through. Um, I did ritual. I did prayer. I wrote down, I drew pictures um, of exactly what it is that I was calling in. And, you know, I, some people call that manifestation. I don't personally, I don't believe in like hyper trying to manifest this and that and create this perfect reality. I think that keeps people hooked in the same way that capitalism does. And I believe that we have a spirit calling kind of um, our, our, <laughs> our destiny already encoded within us. And so mapping it out and drawing it out is how we bridge it down. It's how we consciously create what has already been created if that makes sense it's how we bring what's already there down into our experience so I did a lot of that like um just writing you know view of the ocean safe neighborhood like this is what I want it to look like I just kind of like was bathing in the experience that I wanted to feel less of like how it needed to happen I feel like every time we get into how we just get into our overthinking ego mind um when spirits got a much greater plan uh, usually in my experience. So I did a lot of that, just kind of playing in the energies. And yeah, retrospectively, it happened very fast. It happened very fast after that surrender, but there was a lot leading up to that surrender point. There was a lot of, um, you know, walking through the doubts and the limitations to just say, yeah, I'm going to do it this way. And not that that's everyone's way to be that spontaneous and cancel your flight, but everyone does have a message from spirit directly guiding them to take the next step. And I think we've been so heavily conditioned to disregard that and to feel like we won't be safe if there isn't something proven on the other side. Um, so yeah, it was a really beautiful experience. And not only are you safe, but here's something that's like part of your fate that's been waiting for you to answer the call and, you know, cross that threshold. So here we are. <laughs> <laughs> So would you describe that missing the flight as a quantum leap for you? And if uh, some of our listeners aren't familiar with the term quantum leap, could you just talk a little bit about what that means? Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
I would, I would describe it as a quantum leap. So the quantum I think of as kind of the infinite, the infinite possibilities, the different multiverses, and, you know, there's a part of our being. So we get so attached to what we're experiencing here in our physical, what's right in front of me, the stories, what my mom experienced, this and that, when really there's this quantum infinite universe that all, that our, that our soul, the infinite part of us is attached to the, the one, if you will. So there's this infinite possibility pool. And we as humans, as mortals with our conditioning are often limited by what we've seen as possible, right? So we're often operating not out of what's possible for us, but what we've been programmed to believe is possible for us. We're operating within our comfort zone, our nervous system's comfort. Again, I don't necessarily recommend just quitting your job, just jumping off if you're not ready, because that can throw you into further self-sabotage, I've noticed, or your nervous system can go out of whack if you don't feel safe. So it was for me, this kind of expansion, this nervous system stretching, you know, there were other little quantum leaps that I took to lead up to this bigger one that would stretch and, you know, test my faith in the universe. Okay, I'm still safe test my faith in the universe. Oh, look, okay, I'm still safe. So by the time this one happened, it was like, on some level, I knew that everything would be okay. I think we all do. But um, it's learning, it's, it's trusting that and then seeing the evidence. So yeah, I would say very much so that the quantum leaps often happen for me, at least they have is when I've, the quantum leap in my reality shifting happens after I've like, you know, jumped into something bigger, because it's a whole new experience. If you're if you're doing the same things and expecting different actions, you're going to be doing the same things and getting the same results for a long time, you know, on a core level, life will happen and things will come. But oftentimes when we create a huge expansion in our experience comes when we do take that leap or quantum leap, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it really sounds like a grand experiment of sorts. When you first arrived onto the land that you're on now, where you're living, what were your first impressions? Did you pick up on anything or download anything interesting? Yeah, so the land that we're on, which we've become stewards of, we don't own this land. Um, a lot of the land in Hawaii is is actually corporate owned. It's owned, it was bought, this is old royal land. So the queen at the time bought up a bunch of pieces of land in hopes that they would be preserved, which is great because that means a lot of the land here is, um, is, is lush and it's still wild and it ends up being used for farming. So the lease here is, has been paid off for the next 30, 33 years and um, it's in transition. So my first impression of the land was when I received the email and the invite, I have a splenic authority in human design. So I just know things when I know it's the, the intuitive one. So I have this immediate impression that was like, yes, that's where I'm supposed to be. And then upon arriving here, I was like, um, just kind of in disbelief of how much beauty is here. There are like 50 macadamia nut trees. There's been 500 avocado trees planted. There's papaya, there's bananas, there's um, Meyer lemon, um, pomelo, so many different varieties, lychee, all these, it's heaven on earth <laughs> in many ways. You can see why it gets called that because you're walking through this, you know, physical expression of heaven and so much abundance, so much abundance. So that was one of my experiences. And the other was that, you know, this is an old coffee mill. And so there's, there's energy here, this old kind of 
energy. There's a mess that was asking to be cleaned up, which is another part of why I was invited specifically to this land was to kind of tend to some of that and to move some of that older energy and create more light, bring more light in here. Amazing. So do you, do you see the industry or do you feel the industrialization of the coffee mill energy? Yeah, you know, not where we are. So the land is 10 acres. And so where we are up here is a little bit of a different plot. So we've been kind of slowly, what we're building, what the intention is, is to create um, kind of a heaven on earth experience. When I was postpartum, I really experienced the, um, I, don't, I don't like the word depression, but I was devastated by the nuclear household, the lack of support for mothers and the isolation that came with modern parenting, especially in that kind of nine to five system. And it was like, I could, I could hear in my body drumming and I could hear like the village that I was missing that I've experienced in past lifetimes. And so part of my sadness wasn't just oh, I'm, you're postpartum depressed. It was like, no, I'm deeply devastated that this is our experience of postpartum. And so many women, you know, I was feeling the pain of, of millions of women and families because the kind of um, holistic support, even if you have good community, it's still a very isolating experience to be the sole caretaker of your child day in and day out and to regulate your nerves and all of that while providing and outpouring and outpouring. And so, yeah, I remember getting kind of the download at that time of like, there's another way, you know, and we're headed towards another way where like if with this ascension, with the kind of where we are on the planet right now, the different directions, the kind of more controlling forces, the powers that be, and the people with their spirits being so crushed by some of these kind of systems that we've had, it's got to shift, right? And so when I came here, I didn't think, oh, I'm going to create an intentional community. That's why I'm here. I was just answering the call. And since I've been here, things are unfolding. The right next person gets invited in, a girlfriend of mine, Chelsea, um, a friend and former colleague and um, client has moved in on the land. So she's actually renting out one of the spaces and her energy here has been really beautiful. And just one after the other, people were kind of invited in. And, and one thing after the next, we would kind of clean up a project. And so it's very much like it's being delivered to me step by step. It's not like I came with this grand vision of I'm gonna create this and it's gonna revolutionize the world. It's more of me surrendering to kind of what the earth wants. And the messages that I've gotten are that like, the sacred lands need caretakers and stewards and people that are here to defend and protect them. And, you know, you're, we're starting to see the evidence of the earth kind of kicking off, you know, the systems and the, the, um, the energies that don't work anymore. It's like, this does not work for me. So there was very much a direct invitation for me here. Again, it's not like I thought I was gonna be a farmer. You know, I have this whole different private practice on the side. And so here I am kind of surrendering into this calling, I believe that it is, and um, listening deeply to what the earth is asking me to do, to what events will kind of unfold here and that sort of thing, so. Do you yeah. have um, any practices you could share with us um, for people that are looking to listen to the land more themselves and if they want to embed a grid like this where they are currently? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, the first thing I'd say is just listen. 
it's going outside barefoot, just stepping outside literally barefoot and then um, trusting yourself. This has been a big one is a lot of times when I started opening up to kind of more of my psychic portals and my channeling abilities and connecting to guides and connecting to the earth, there was a lot of the inner critic saying, oh, are you even is that even real? A lot of that self-doubt was present. And as I've practiced more and more and more, it's just become more of a conversation. And I would say that conversation gets louder and clearer the more that you trust yourself and trust what you're hearing and follow the guidance. You can, you know, we can communicate to the trees. We can hear what they say. They have a sense of humor, the lychee tree that's growing right now. I'm like getting emotional as this is because she's like funny. She's got a sense of humor and she's like, like this beautiful tree that's like, um, I don't know how tall, very old and tall and her vines or her um, trunk is like twisting and very sensual and sexy almost. And just like this beautiful tree that fruits this red lychee. And most of the fruit is like at the top of the tree where you can't reach it. And it's very much like this teasing like energy, like you want this, okay, you have to work for it. And sometimes I've been up there with the fruit picker trying to reach some of the fruit. And there's just this sense of humor that comes through about like how you have to look and how humble it is to even get her fruit and how much abundance is there and so every plant here on the land has this sense of humor and as I've walked the land I'm still you know very much getting to know this specific plot but as I've walked the land I've kind of noticed that there are different places different grids that want to be utilized and seen for different things and we as humans have come to the planet and, and really made it about our egos right so <laughs> I want this here and I want this here and this is how I want it and I'm going to move all these trees and build this but like what about surrendering to the land and working in tandem because if when we do that we're so taken care of and the human ego that keeps us in fear thinks that we need to take care of ourselves and get the earth out of the way to do that when really it's like there are these forces and these energies that will take care of us if we're taking care. We're meant to have a symbiotic relationship with them. And I get emotional talking about this um, because I feel like the more of us that tune into this are, you know, gonna we're going to remember, you know, who we are and where we came from and that we have so much support that we're not doing this alone. So yeah, I would encourage anybody who's feeling the call to just go outside barefoot and start, bring a journal, just start the practice. You can do it with your house plants, but just leaning in and listening. And, you know, my husband's very inspiring to me in this way where we would be pruning our garden. And I remember just watching him years ago before he would cut a branch, like ask the plant if it's okay <laughs> and get an answer. You know, if you don't know how to prune a tree, you could Google it. Yeah. Or you could ask and listen to the guidance and the wisdom that comes through and it's available. And it's a big part is just trusting. Yeah. yeah that's our greatest technology as humans. And I feel like that's why that is our technology of our body. So it's important that we remember our power in that and access it. Yeah. So a lot of what you were describing me was, it was reminding me of um, indigenous ways of being um, from what I've learned from different tribes. Can you describe how you connected with different indigenous ways of being while on this land and uh, your relationships with indigenous peoples? Um, on the land yeah, around you. Absolutely. So, you know, I think that all of us 
have a connection to indigenous uh, ancestral ways all of us have that line we remember right there's a time where we were all living closer to the earth and so that's in all of us you know we are one in that way and when coming to this island specifically you know I, I was very aware that this is not America this is not technically my land but at the same time or and at the same time nowhere is nowhere is our land back in Washington or wherever you are like that is all sacred indigenous land is is all um deeply deeply sacred right so um and coming here to this specific heaven on earth it's such a little island I really wanted to make sure that like first of all I was welcome here and that whatever I create here is uh is an asset is and is of deep deep integrity because so many people I think come to oh tropical paradise and kind of maybe want to take or have a piece of the paradise and then go home when right now there feels like this invitation to to caretake and I do think that Hawaii invites in and all land does invites in people that want to see it thrive and protect and take care of the land um so recently I've been in contact with a woman who I would love to have on my podcast. I think I'm going to invite her on and see she's an elder. She's an indigenous um, elder also with Lumerian interest and roots. And um, she's a high priestess and is really, really a powerful guide um, in, in the process of being a steward of this land. It was made very clear to me that it's, not just mine you know as I was saying in the beginning like I'm just the channel I'm just the person that this is coming through and that there were so many other um mentors and beings that would support my role here and and help give me guidance because it's a it feels like a big responsibility sometimes there's been many times where I'm like what am I even doing here um and so connecting with um this woman in particular my kumu, as she calls herself, my teacher is what that means in Hawaiian, um, is, has been really amazing because she's also, you know, attuned to her past lives in Egypt and has come, you know, um, to this island also to protect it and, um, and create kind of these heaven on earth experiences. So um, it's felt really powerful to have this indigenous elder as a mentor who knows the land so intimately for, you know, I don't even know how old she is, 3,000, no, just kidding, like, she's, she's an elder, though, maybe in her 80s, you know, and for a very, very long time, so she knows the land intimately, and she knows exactly where we are, and has actually kind of been part of my behind-the-scenes support in um, deepening my connection to the earth, and really listening, and, you know, she's very um, enthusiastic about my presence here on this plot and kind of what we're building that sounds like a divine confirmation for sure how did yeah. you meet her uh how did I meet her I found her online I you know I've been deepening my study of Lumeria and Mu and for anyone listening um, that's not familiar with Lumeria it's Lumeria is an ancient ancient civilization that we don't have any um, concrete scientific evidence actually existed but we do have lots of very congruent channeled insights um, into what this civilization was and it was before the human form it was um, a heaven on earth experience where people were relating to well not even people these light beings were relating in ways that were really holistic and nurturing there wasn't jealousy competition scarcity any of these um, these kind of man-made 
I like ideas that we and belief systems they just didn't exist it was light interacting with light and love interacting with love and just oh my gosh if I can't recommend getting to know the Lumerian civilization more and more and more it's just so beautiful and expansive and I believe that you know we're headed back there not to Lumeria but to a modern um version of heaven on earth and that that's what you know humanity that's where we're trying to steer the ship is back to that uh way of realizing our oneness you know that's the kind of the key thing about Lumerians is they they recognized and celebrated their oneness like how could I be jealous or hateful when I'm doing that to myself like why would I need power over another when we're the same like it was all equal and so beautiful and you know reading everything I did I've done about Lumeria was like I was just remembering and where we are here like Hawaii is considered Mu it's considered like this is where Lumeria would have been like under the ocean by now but like these this energy portal I think it's why it feels so powerful when you visit this place is because you're kind of on the ley line you're still like connected to the frequencies that existed here and are still existing in some timeline and so um, how did I connect with her? Yeah, I, I was in my research of Lemuria. I was kind of just looking up, like, who can mentor me? It was very clear to me that I wanted to deepen my Hawaiian knowledge while I'm on the island and then also work with people that understand at the, uh, priestesses, you know, and the fact that she was like Lumerian royalty priestess, I was like, oh, hello. <laughs> hello. <laughs> I remember you <laughs> kind of thing. So, oh, yeah, totally. Um, a lot of people say Lemuria is like the Garden of Eden. Do you know anything about that? I don't know, per se. No. Um, have you had any profound experiences on this land? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So many. Um, that's a good question. I feel like, I guess I feel like every day is... Um, profound in that it's how do I say this I feel like what it's waking me up to the most is that the profound moments happen in the simple moments they happen kind of in the everyday they happen when you're becoming present that you're eating a bite of the papaya the profound doesn't have to be like fireworks and grandiosity profound can actually be um attunement and simplicity and becoming fully present of where you are and so I'd say that's the most profound teaching that she's offered me and there have been lots of different things that have happened and spirits and channeling and um all these different things but that is that's what's sticking out is the most profound I feel like her um energy this energy on the land is very palpable and as more intentional people come here you can feel the shifts um we invited some newer people into the bunkhouses to kind of do some of the landscaping and the, the tending to the weeds, beating back some of the jungle to protect the new trees that are trying to grow, that sort of thing. And one of them was telling me last night, we had kind of a potluck to anchor in all the new people that are here, which there aren't very many, very many, but just there are some new faces. So we did a little like honoring last night and you know, one of the young men that just came here was, told me that he cried after he left. He's like, just being in your energy and your energy and even your son handing me the plumeria, I just left and I, I started crying on my drive home. And I was like, that's the energy. That is the energy right there that I feel like um, that is the most profound is that people step foot here and um, 
and feel shifted, feel like that, this heart opening in a way and don't necessarily need to know exactly why or what happened, but just that, that kind of like safety, like you're safe and you're held like as soon as you enter this portal. I mean, everywhere, hopefully, but this is, you know, a particular kind of sanctuary that we're creating energetically. And, you know, we're working with the unseen in this. It's not just us. It's like, you know, there, there are gods and goddesses that we're also working with that have given us that kind of divine support that, you know, everything is, we're very protected here. That's absolutely beautiful. Um, how has this land inspired you? I know it's probably inspired you in many ways, but is there anything that comes to mind in particular? Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, I mean, it's inspired me to really, really examine my values of what's important. You know, I've let go of a lot of, a lot of the, it's become my job, you know, just taking care of the land and, and surrendering. I still don't know what exactly will unfold here, but I know that I'm meant to create and channel and um, listen to what a heaven on earth template could look like. So there's been a lot of, um, it's kind of like my education in a way. This is like where I came to learn and, um, you know, hopefully create templates that will carry on. And I'm not the first and I won't be the last to steward a piece of land and um, create kind of conscious community. And it's the first time I've ever done it. So for me, the lessons and the magic has been about that deep surrender and how surrendering beyond what we've been conditioned because so many people I'd say, and I myself moved away from this are living lives because it's just deeply ingrained that this is what you have to do to be taken care of. You just have to, you, it's just what you do, that kind of thing. And the land has softened me to this whole other kind of experience of reality by listening, by tuning in, by surrendering, by um, really connecting with my guides and channeling and listening to the guidance that comes through. Um, yeah, it's very, very humbling in that way <laughs> because you're like, I had a plan, I was gonna do this. And it's like, no, we're going over here. So it's like this co-creation. Um, yeah, it very much feels like being in a, in a relationship where it's not just one-sided. The two-way street. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Um, this is just sort of downloading right now. But yeah, hear it. <laughs> is, does this land feel familiar to you? Like maybe oh, you've been sure. there before? Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, it's past lives are funny, um, but definitely it felt very familiar the first time that I was here. And, um, you know, there's been other instances on this island where my daughter picked up once this like old artifact she found in a park. It was like this beautiful stone. I forget there's actually a name for it that I'm spacing. I'll remember as soon as we're off the call, but it's like an old um, tool that would have been used hundreds of years ago. It's amazing that she found it where she did. And she picked it up and brought it to Jonah, my husband, and said to him just like clear as day, like, remember when we used to use this? And he looked at me like, what? oh goosebumps everywhere <laughs> yeah 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 so you know who knows you know but I do feel like um Jonah and I both read this Lumeria book together and we both felt activations all over the body like we were remembering so I'd like to think that my whole entire little family has been traveling together for many incarnations and maybe since Lumeria um because that's what it felt like 
It does. It really does feel like that. And when I see pictures of your children, I definitely see them as these little like light orbs around you. I really do. Oh, thank you. I'm super biased, of course, but they definitely are very, um, they're light beings. Yeah, they're very connected to the other side, it seems yeah. like. Yeah, yeah, they, they are my teachers, you know, they helped me remember in a lot of ways. Can you share with us your vision for sharing the magic of this land with the collective? Yes, so I'm letting it unfold. I foresee and I've had many different <laughs> readings and journeys and all of this that events, sacred events will be happening here on the land. Um, and I want this to happen with deep, deep, deep intention and integrity. We're not just having a retreat center. That's not what this is. It's, um, it's gonna unfold. So right now our job is to keep tending to the structures and making them more beautiful, more inviting, more sanctuary. And eventually we'll start opening to small gatherings at first, maybe larger ones if it feels right. Um, you know, but in everything I do, my, my purpose, the reason I came to this planet was to be an activator, remind people how, who they are, true essence, infinite love, all of that. And so in whatever I create or open to channel, that's the experience that I'm hoping to facilitate. And so I can't say exactly like in spring we'll be doing this, um, but I will kind of say that I've connected with lots of different magical thought leaders and other healers who have interest in sharing their gifts here too. So there will be gatherings um, and they're going to unfold in the way that, you know, they're being downloaded to me slowly. And so I'm kind of just in that surrender mode. What is your vision for the mission of um, Rosewater Temple while on this land? So what I feel Rosewater Temple is, is this ethereal um, light grid. So it's, it's a space that it's, it can overlay anywhere. It could be here on this land where the invitation was and it could move, it could go to another piece of land. But the Rosewater Temple to me is this ethereal unseen space where people enter and have connection to the, the other side, behind the veil, to their true selves, to their higher selves, um, to their cosmic power, their psychic abilities, um, that kind of infinite love and way of relating to other people in this way that is really, really authentic and pure. So that's the Rosewater Temple's energies and it manifests as different things, you know, obviously of my private business with where I do coaching and everything and that the energy here on the land is like the safe sanctuary where people can just come and really be in their magic. Mm, yes. Yeah. Such a sacred mission. How, how has your vision started to materialize with this? And um, could you just share with us what projects you're working on there currently? Yeah, so the visions just kind of come, there was the initial vision of the land and then the visions now are kind of um, just knowing, kind of feeling where we're headed collectively which is more gatherings, sacred ritual, all these kind of um, these things that like mysticism, I feel like has been romanticized or put on a pedestal or, you know, been accessible to only some. And my mission really is to reignite that remembrance that everyone is their own guru. 
and that there isn't this authority. So really like that kind of heaven on earth to me is when enough people are self-realized and we're relating to one another in these ways that are um, really authentic because of that. So the, that's the vision is kind of more events, more we're building kind of a community kitchen right now outside and well, there will be more event spaces. Right now our project has been just cleaning up a lot of the older energies that were on here on the land from the call, the old coffee mill that was here and um, you know, lots of staging and clearing and painting and redesigning um, the spaces. And there's been a great shift. I never take before pictures just because I don't, <laughs> but I even, I wish now, I'm like, I wish you could even see before and after pictures because so much has already shifted. And again, the right people come in at the right times. Like one of my guy friends was staying here for a couple months and he is going through a life transition and also wanting to experience some of that village mentality and came and shared some of his um, construction skills and did some of the renovations and then he went on his way and that's kind of the energy that's happening here amazing what are some of your favorite physical features of the land here oh my gosh megan it's so pretty here so when you walk onto the land, there's, it's kind of a, you know, you go up a winding road and the, the trees that are here are just beautiful. Like there's all the, the fruit seasons happen at different times, but when they do happen, um, there's just different, different, it's like a language. It's the best way I can say it. It's like poetry. You're walking through and it's like the pomelos are there, like these big, beautiful yellow pomelos just like offering themselves to you and then you walk down further through this field of you know 50 macadamia nut trees that are just offering themselves to you and, and I always like to think of the trees having kind of these masculine and these feminine energies so when I see these macadamia nut trees I think of these like beautiful elderly grandmother energy like with this curly hair they have the curliest little leaves and then just like abundant macadamia nuts just offering themselves up like there's so much fruit here there's so much food that we're, we bring it to the post office sometimes just to give to community because there's there's more than one person could eat it's just like the teachings here are lessons on abundance like there is no scarcity on this planet there isn't there's so much it's just the lack of um, you know, equal distribution. And so I'm reminded of that whenever I'm walking this land, like there's just the earth gives us everything we could possibly need. So you take a walk down these windy paths and it's very lush jungle. There are colorful birds that fly past and I have this red spirit bird who is literally sitting in front of the tree as I'm speaking. Oftentimes, like when I'm, when something magical's happening or I'm in a client session and something mad breakthrough happens, like a little red bird flies by the cardinal. Um, yeah, it's just, it's like heart opening everywhere you look. It truly is heaven on earth, beautiful. And um, flowers, plumeria flowers, breadfruit, ulu, um, right now the lychee tree is popping off these like beautiful red lychees. Um, it's just, yeah, I don't think I could choose one favorite physical <laughs> location. It's, 
it's very magical kind of everywhere you walk. And as I was saying to you earlier, there's different portals on the land. So right now, you know, I'm kind of being shown like who the threshold guardian is and we give different offerings to different trees and different spots of the land. And um, like who, where there's a grief tree that we that showed herself to me as a place to come grieve and I've definitely done ritual and kind of given up old parts of myself to this tree because she showed herself and when my girlfriend Chelsea got here I asked her the red bird again <laughs> wow okay so when my girlfriend Chelsea got here I asked her I was like taking her on a tour and I was like wanting to see if the energies were palpable or if it's just me am I the only one that's feeling this so I asked her I was like okay we're gonna take a walk the grief tree's coming up let me know when you find it and we're walking along walking along she stops and is like is this it right when we got to it it's like she could feel it so if you're attuned and you're paying attention it's not just like um a visual experience it's a sensory experience it's like a somatic emotional experience too you walk on the land and it's like you're feeling um the different kind of energies here and as there are people here kind of protecting that and like um creating space for it i think about it as like a child if you're like giving compliments to a child and showing you like um really seeing them for their gifts and complimenting them on the things that are unique to them and kind of like amplifying what it is that's unique and special about them they'll shine they'll radiate in that spot and I think of that as the same as the plants that are here they're kind of like yeah we can just have a tree but if you're giving it attention it's going to give you more and we've seen evidence in this of just like a tree that quote unquote no longer bared fruit and then giving it some love tending to it and it providing mangoes this year for the first time in however many years so yeah so many lessons <laughs> That sounds amazing. Um, so where are you in proximity to the ocean? And can you describe um, your relationship with the ocean there? Yeah, so we've got a big, beautiful view of the ocean and we're about a 15 minute drive away from any of the beaches, um, some of the most magical beaches that I've ever been to. And I'm definitely a water being. So being in close proximity, being able to swim daily has been big shift in my <laughs> in my experience it's kind of like where I go to cleanse and I feel like um just as energy sensitive beings we're always picking up energies and just having that like salt water cleanse ritual feels really really important oh yeah it's so so special water is very important how's the essence of this land infused into your work Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So a lot of the work that I do now is kind of oracular. You know, it's a lot of connecting to guides and connecting to my clients' guides and, um, you know, the, the lessons of surrender and kind of opening to what is here in the space has really given me this permission to show up like that in the containers and trust that not a lot needs to get planned out. You know, this last coaching group that I did, it was clear to me, it was downloaded that I would only get the information to channel as we moved along. So in the past, I had created a whole coaching course and launched, launched it. 
this one was very different. And then it was like, <laughs> like, do not move, do not pass go basically. Like I would try and channel it. And it was like, no, you haven't integrated the last. So basically I was being initiated through my own course into accessing a higher level of consciousness to then channel the next phase of the course. So it was delivered to me in phases. And I very much feel like that's been influenced um, through my surrender to this property and this land and kind of the opening that, you know, that I've chosen for myself or allowed or gotten, I should say, gotten myself out of the way of because there was a long time that I lived my life trying to figure it all out myself and really just kind of like removing that, um, the, the small self, the ego, like bless them. They're just trying. I always think of it as like a small child or something where it's like, oh, honey, it's not your responsibility. Don't worry. You can go sit down. You can help me bake the bread, but like, you don't have to be the one that's responsible for cooking the meal because you're five, that kind of thing. You know, like <laughs> that's kind of how I like to talk to the, the ego. <laughs> and so, you know, I think that that's been a lesson from the land for sure. It's like, get out of the way, just clear, open, and trust that whatever's going to come through is the medicinal thing of that moment. We don't have to look five years ahead, just like mm-hmm. be in the now with that. Um, the cosmic guidance that's like, that's cutting edge, really. It's like at every, le- at every moment, especially in this ascension process, we're getting access to higher and higher frequencies. We're getting access to higher and higher realms of consciousness. So why create a program for you know three months ahead of time when who you're going to be even in a month is higher attuned hopefully you know (laughs) definitely what effect has the land had on your family um you know for us really getting out of the grind of the um we, where we moved before, it's, we were still in a small town. And so we definitely had a lot of a connection with the natural world. But somehow being on this expansive land and also having kind of the village mentality, having like my girlfriend who's auntie lived next door and that kind of like um, energy is really sacred. It's really, um, it feels very safe. You know, the kids get to, we've been unschooling pretty much the whole, their whole lives so far um and yeah they get to just kind of be free and wild but in this container of like safety and yeah they love me living near the ocean and (laughs) going on walks that's really how I grew up too I was always outside constantly I wasn't unschooling but I yeah just always outside in that safe container yeah and when I look back I don't know about you but like do do you remember like I look back and feel like some of my biggest best childhood memories are of communing with nature or seeing like these crazy visuals that I would have of my imagination world outside I don't remember many memories about being inside there like so much of what stuck with me was like that outside so I like to think about them in that world too kind of having this crazy world that I don't even see you know, they're connecting to the land. I feel like kids already know how to connect to the earth and talk to the bug. My kids are always picking up like what I would consider the grossest bug. <laughs> I would touch that and my daughter's like playing with it and giving it love and naming it Coco. <laughs> I resonate with that so much. I was playing with cicadas and like centipedes and all kinds of things like that outside in Pennsylvania in the woods. 
in the woods all the time. <laughs> they haven't, they, there's no conditioning that that's gross or scary. So they're just like, they love it. I'm like, oh yeah, okay. I'm not going to touch that, but <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely amazing. Um, what are your sacred uh, practices when present on this land? So I do morning rituals. I, I should say I try and do more morning rituals daily. I do a lot of Kundalini yoga. Um, and yeah, I really kind of have this intuitive flow. So I don't have one thing per se that I do. I don't, I really love my spiritual practice to remain like fun for me and not rigid at all. So I don't do a certain puja or, or I don't follow any kind of rules. Honestly, I, I follow kind of what spirits communicating. I do create the space. Sometimes it's breath work. Sometimes it's Kundalini yoga. Um, sometimes it's just writing a gratitude list. Sometimes it's um, sitting outside and just being really quiet and kind of getting messages. Like yesterday I had a big, we had a photo shoot here on the land and our potluck dinner. So it was going to be a longer big day. And I was, it was, just kind of outside listening. And I got this message to like, go over to the grief tree and pour out this old oil that I had used for like a certain healing thing that was now complete. I went through something a couple months ago and that phase was complete. And it was like, go pour out that oil you were using to nurture yourself. You're done with that process. Go give it to the grief tree. And it was very loud. It was just very subtle, but I listened. It was like, okay, that's what spirit wants me to do as my ritual today before I start my day. So I just poured it out and kind of like, um, things like that, just tuning in, just making the time to connect and, and listen and slow down. Because I think if you have an analytical mind, or if you were raised in this world, or if you love what you do for work, there can be a temptation to just like get into it and start going. Um, the biggest thing for me is making the time to slow down and light a candle and connect to spirit. Maybe I pull cards, maybe I journal. It doesn't really matter so much as long as like I'm, <clears throat> I'm on a date with the divine, just like I would with my husband. We're not going to go on the same date every single time, but we're going to make that time for ourselves to have this romantic experience. And that's kind of what my rituals are here. It's like, okay, connecting to the earth, connecting to spirit. And then I kind of see what unfolds. Yeah. What I'm downloading right now too, is in a lot of your work, you talk about inconsistency and how that kind of resonates with mama gaia and her cycles as well mm -hmm. is that something you sort of picked up from the land there and could you talk a little bit more about that yeah i think for myself the inconsistency is something that i tried early on in my career to push through and be more consistent and show up and post consistently and kind of all this um conditioning that we hear around running a business and what i noticed for me personally is that when I'm not consistent, I'm, I'm in integrity, I'm being honest. And I think the feminine is very inconsistent in many ways. And so we get kind of taught, like go to school every single day, show up, do this, this consistency. And yeah, sure, like to, to create something into our reality does require a level of dedication and consistency. And there are times I think to push that consistency and stay goal oriented and times to release and know when to surrender and go quiet. So I, I actively am inconsistent, even in my, like, let's say posts on Instagram and things like that. And I found that I've created a lucrative and successful business without that, without that level of kind of consistency. And I think that it's like, I want to serve as a permission slip 
to other people to honor wherever their energy is at and not try and push through through things in the pull your bootstraps up type of way. Obviously, resistance is important to push through sometimes because otherwise we would just maybe, you know, not rise to challenges. We definitely want to know when to push through. And again, like the deconditioned process from the masculine, like you need to go, go, go feels really important right now. So I love to remind people to honor their inconsistency because we're not consistent beings. We don't consistently feel the same thing. We don't consistently want to eat the same thing. Thing energies move, or maybe we do for a couple of season, but just letting ourselves move and flow with what's alive. I think that's the kind of leadership the world is, is hungry for. So you don't feel so pressured to always be on, to always be showing up, to always be, to always be anything, you know, because we give ourselves that freedom then to just evolve and evolve and evolve and meet ourselves where we are in that moment. And so that's what I love to talk about with inconsistency is like, there's a way to talk about and move with the energies that are truly alive in you. And um, yeah. Yeah, it's a higher level of alignment for sure. Mm -hmm. When you travel back to the mainland, if you have been back, what essences and lessons of this land do you hold closest to you? I think when you've, <laughs> I, I think aloha, you know, honestly, when you've come to this land, there's something, the spirit lives in you is what my belief is and it's it doesn't go away so um people that are not native hawaiian that live here are called kama'aina it's like children of the land and once you've been a kama'aina you're always a kama'aina so you can leave and you can go move to michigan but you're still kama'aina because there's this understanding that you've been touched by the land in this way and that is you now and so you carry that with you um, for me, I feel, <laughs> I love being here. It activates my soul. It feels like soul home. Um, I do notice that when I travel, I carry it with me. And if I'm away too long, I need to come back. <laughs> it feels like home. Definitely seems like your soul's home. Um, this is our last question for the interview. How would you way show others to find the lands that call to their soul? Mm, that's such a good question. I'd say listen and inner work. There was a there was a time that I felt almost bound to the Pacific Northwest. I would leave and I would be called back. I would leave and I, something would happen that I need to go back. And I love the Pacific Northwest. It's another one of my soul homes, but it's not. It was kind of a soul home, and that I needed to work out karmic things and then learn lessons in that soul home. Um, but I did some powerful inner journeys kind of specifically on that and um, did see where there were soul contracts and things that needed to play out um, again before I could be ready. I could be calibrated to hold this kind of vision and to be and to accept it. Right. So I'd say that, you know, tune in to where you're being called and whatever limitations or ideas that keep you feeling bound to somewhere that that you've outgrown, examine those. And with that combination, you just end up where you're meant to be. So yeah, I do believe that places speak to different parts of us though. And it's a, it's a body feeling, not so much like a mind mental um, 
figuring out some of the time. It's like where your body feels like you're at home. Yeah, most definitely. For me, it's just like things just keep on popping up. Things just keep on popping up when I'm called to a certain place and they don't stop. And it's actually comical. Yeah, it's actually comical. (laughs) It gets comical. When we were were invited here, a coconut washed up on the beach in Port Townsend in the Puget Sound. And it was kind of where I was. I wasn't convincing my husband. I was definitely like my heart was 100%. And although I feel like he he's his soul brought us here in a big way too. He's such a ocean baby, but he came home with holding a coconut one time and was like, okay, I hear it. I get it. I'm on board. <laughs> it's like a coconut and things like that. Yeah. It's like you, you start seeing the signs everywhere. Most definitely. I love that. And you're hearing the call maybe to come Oh, a hundred percent. I've been feeling the call for a long time long long time <laughs> gotta get you out here yes yeah. yes I'd be honored to come yeah. out there absolutely well thank you so much for sharing um this piece of you with us um it, I'm sure it's going to touch so many people and it certainly has touched me so deeply and it's very inspiring thank you Megan should we close out with a little ceremony yes please okay we opened with a little ceremony kind of before we got on the call. So maybe it'll be nice to just close the space for anyone that's with us still that feels called to just taking a moment for yourself, really grounding your energy into the here and now calling back all parts of you back home and really letting whatever part of this conversation feel like that felt like an activation just settle in and integrate in just the right way trusting that we're always exactly where we're meant to be listening to exactly what we're meant to listen to connecting with whoever we're meant to connect to at exactly the right time all is in divine order letting your body feel the truth of that if it feels right to you just feeling yourself ground down to the earth connecting deeper to the mother that holds us all and maybe opening up your crown to receive that higher guidance that wisdom for the rest of the day and just giving a little bit of gratitude to our guides Yeah, and the last thing I'm hearing is just like deep self-honoring, giving yourself that self-honoring for all that you've done in your life up until this point, all the personal initiations that you've walked through. And just breathing in and releasing and coming back, bringing your presence back to this moment, kind of gently opening your eyes whenever you feel ready. came through in that episode and 
Yeah, I hope it served in the way, however it was meant to, whether it inspired you or activated something within you. Um, you know, again, I feel like such a vessel for this project. So it's interesting to be a witness to what's unfolding here that feels much larger than just myself. So we're at the beginning, you know, we're at the beginning and this will be a collaboration of many. So just one foot in front of the other, following that guidance and really um, being in deep appreciation for this experience that we get to call life and for coming, for incarnating at this time on the earth when it's not the easiest as we're, um, you know, all collectively kind of remembering another way and taking our own individual steps and guidance to um, play our unique role in how things shift and how we create this new earth. So thank you all for being here, for being on this, on your own sacred mission and for tuning in, um, for being a part of my world and anywhere that you are. Um, yeah, I'll be looking forward to sharing more guests on the podcast in the coming month. Aloha.